Hello and welcome to the Talking Techniques podcast. Brought to you by Biotechniques, this show brings you the latest from the frontiers of life sciences, straight from the people exploring them. In this episode, we'll explore the microbiome and how long read sequencing techniques are changing our approach to this field and the exciting discoveries that they have led to. To do this, I'm speaking with Chris Locken, molecular biologist in the research and development team of Zymo Research, and Jeremy Wilkinson, global marketing specialist for microbial genomics at PacBio. Coming up, find out how long read sequencing has impacted metagenomics. A few recent studies have really shown that highly accurate long reads have better capabilities for profiling of the metagenome. So, for example, a HiFi read has an average of like eight intact genes per read, which allows for greater functional and taxonomic profiling at like 90% of the reads being annotatable or classifiable. Whereas when you use short reads, only about a third of those can actually be annotated. How considering microbes as nuts helps explain the challenges with metagenomic sample preparation. Microbes are nuts. They have hard to, to break open ones and easy to break open ones. In DNA extraction, we have to get all of them. It doesn't serve us just to get the peanuts, right? We, we need to get the peanuts and the difficult to lice macadamia nuts out. The trade-off, as I mentioned earlier, is that when we use these processes that tend to get the DNA out of those difficult to lice, we shear DNA. And how long reads can stack up versus short reads for metagenome assembly. We got about 11% of the total assemblies we did with long read when we use short read. But I think that kind of shows the power at resolving uh, these complex samples. So hello, Chris and Jerry. It's great to have you on the podcast. Hello. Great to be here. Yep, great to be here too. So firstly, I was thinking, Chris, could you introduce metagenomics and, and why it's important for microbial studies? Oh, certainly. So metagenomics is simply a branch of microbiology. This branch studies the genes of microbes in the context of their ecosystem. So whereas traditional microbiology requires culturing of a sample to determine what microbes are there and, and what they can do, which is quite a tedious process. It, it, you have to sample something, streak it on a plate, grow those microbes, identify different colors and shapes and sizes, isolate those, and then do biochemical tests to figure out which each individual are. Add that to the fact that only a fraction of the microbes are even going to grow on that medium, and it becomes kind of a difficult challenge to elucidate what's going on in that sample microbiologically. Metagenomics is essentially taking that same community of microbes and taking their DNA out, sequencing it, and then we piece it together to, to determine what the guest list of that sample is and what they are capable of doing. Metagenomics essentially allows us to look at all the genes of all the microbes present in a sample and study that community as a community rather than in isolation. Perfect. And as you mentioned, so quite a difficult side of culturing is that a lot of the microbes in there are just completely unculturable. So metagenomics lets Correct. you study them directly in their environment and see what's there. That's right. It's, I mean, estimated that only 1% of microbes in a sample will actually grow when you put them on a plate. So you're missing a lot of microbes using that traditional approach if it's the full community you want a picture of. Fantastic. And then, sorry, Jeremy, could you then tell us a little bit more about 
why people need long resequencing for genomics. What's it going to change, or for metagenomics? What's it going to change here, and how does it address some of the the challenges or shortcomings in the field? Yeah, of course. So. Long reads are advantageous for many microbiome and metagenomic analyses. This includes things like taxonomic classification, profiling, as well as metagenome assembly. And so as the costs go down for long reads and as the technology continues to get better, which it has, more is now finally being done utilizing them. So many studies in the past year or two have really showcased the ability of high accuracy long reads to assemble many complete metagenome assembled genomes or MAGs from species and strains from metagenome samples. And these are from a variety of different environments like human guts, animal guts, as well as other environmental sample types like water, for example. Also, a few recent studies have really shown that highly accurate long reads have better capabilities for profiling of the metagenome. So for example, a HiFi read has an average of like eight intact genes per read which allows for greater functional and taxonomic profiling at like 90% of the reads being annotatable or classifiable. Whereas when you use short reads, only about a third of those can actually be annotated. So you get a lot more information from the reads at hand. And for metagenome taxonomic profiling, recent work has actually demonstrated that there are a few tools that display the highest precision and recall of all the methods that were evaluated for long read data sets. And these methods actually perform best with highly accurate long reads, so hi-fi reads, in comparison to other long reads and to short reads. But long reads in general perform better than short reads. Lastly, in the past several years, the ability to capture full-length 16S sequencing with PacBio Hi-Fi in particular has enabled researchers to profile their microbiomes with significantly higher resolution at the species and strain level, the much as you know, 99 or 100% of those being classified at species level. And it's also less taxonomically biased than using one or two or three variable regions of 16S with short reads. Okay, fantastic. And then if you're going into these studies, Chris, could you give us a bit more of an insight into what the workflow for typical long read sequencing is and and how does it differ to short read sequencing? The workflow for both short and long read requires collection of the sample, lysis of all the cells present, purification of the DNA, then library prep, and then sequencing on your desired platform. The difference is really in the requirements for longer fragments of DNA when you're processing. Typically, this is a challenge for microbial samples because the processing required to get into those samples is more. It's harder to break open microbial cells than, say, mammalian cells. And that breaking open process tends to shear DNA at the same time. So in order to get all the difficult to lyse cells open and their their DNA unsheared is is quite a challenge, but that's what we're here to say that we've we've been working on when we have a solution, PacBio and Zymo together. Fantastic. And so there's kind of a bit of a perception or, or history out there of long read sequencing successes for metagenomics mostly being in post-associated microbiome, so in the sort of guts of people or of animals, as, as you were saying earlier, Jeremy, or as opposed to environmental ones. So those water samples or wastewater or anything like that. And in some spaces, they kind of still see the technique as having some barriers to overcome to reach its full potential. Could you explain what these perceived barriers are and how you believe they could be addressed? Certainly. I mean, typically it's easier to obtain higher quality DNA from host-associated microbiomes, which tend to be less complex, 
whereas DNA tends to degrade a little faster in environmental samples. There's also added chemicals and inhibitors and things that are going to mess with the integrity of the DNA. So it tends to be harder to get DNA that's long enough and not degraded from some of those samples. So I think the simplicity of, of host-associated microbiomes is, has led to their use in long read. But more and more complex genomes are being resolved using long read. That's the problem we're trying to work on. Okay, perfect. And, and so you, you mentioned that the kind of the sample preparation earlier for, for both of them is, is a very important step. Part of it, especially the challenge in those environmental aspects or samples, is actually getting sequences of DNA to sequence that are long enough to produce a long read, not just the technology. Can you tell us a bit more about the sample preparation requirements for long read sequencing? What, what's needed to really deliver that high quality DNA or the highest quality DNA that you can get from a sample? Yeah, certainly. There's several precautions we can follow when working with these samples to get the best possible DNA to work with them. The first step is with collection and preservation for that matter. Microbes grow. When something in their environment changes, they, they tend to grow. When we're working with fecal samples, for example, I can tell when I see a fecal sample how long it sat out before it was preserved based on which microorganisms grow at that point. Once their environment changes, they start to either grow or deplete. So there needs to be ways of, of preserving. And there's essentially two ways to preserve direct freezing which is not always practical. If your doctor asks you to take a fecal sample at home, it's not necessarily, you know, most people aren't going to want to put it in their freezer and then go buy some ice to ship it on. It's not the most practical for collection. The second way is chemical preservatives. For example, DNA RNA shield, which preserves the microbial profile. And then it also has the added advantage of inactivating pathogens, making it safe to ship samples that might have pathogens involved. The next part of sample prep is DNA extraction. As we mentioned earlier, microbes are difficult to break open. I actually like to think of microbes as nuts, as shelled nuts. They all have a shell. Some are easy to lice open, like peanuts would be, you could do it with your hand, but macadamia nuts would get a little more difficult. Microbes are nuts. They have hard to, to break open ones and easy to break open ones. In DNA extraction, we have to get all of them. It doesn't serve us just to get the peanuts, right? We we need to get the peanuts and the difficult to lice macadamia nuts out. The trade-off, as I mentioned earlier, is that when we use these processes that tend to get the DNA out of those difficult to lice, we shear DNA. So we need to get those difficult to lice, but not break their DNA, not not shear the, the DNA of the easy to lice organisms. Actually, we've determined a way that's the best of both worlds. We, we kind of do a gentle mechanical lysis on Vortex Genie, which ends up being perfect for hi-fi sequencing on PacBio. It gives fragments in the 10 to 20 kb range, which is exactly what we need for hi-fi sequencing. And the last part of sample prep, I'll make it brief. This is going on, but is standards. The way we know all these things that I'm talking about, this difficult to lyse and easy to lyse is because of our use of microbial standards and reference materials that tell us information about our processing. And we run them in every single run of sequencing. Just as you'd run a DNA ladder on an agarose gel, we include these controls in every sequencing run to give us this information. 
Perfect. So it's a, it's quite a delicate balance then of you want to be able to immobilize or destroy pathogens to make it safe, but you want don't want to be too harsh that you're destroying DNA or the microbes that you want to target. You're obviously trying to get access to everything, but with then without shearing the DNA and damaging the sample. So so there's a lot of different things to try and control for in that sample preparation. And so Jeremy, how about the sequencing techniques themselves? So Initially, when these kind of long resequencing techniques came out, they provided obviously this massive jump forward in the length of reads you could get, but the accuracy was not quite up to the same standard as traditional Illumina short resequencing. How has long read hi-fi sequencing addressed this and kind of changed the or sort of shifted the goalpost a little bit here for the accuracy of uh, these kind of sequencing techniques? Yeah, sure. So first, long resequencing was actually named the, the 2022 method of the year in Nature Methods recently. Most of this is really due to the recent telomere to telomere project where the first complete human genome was actually able to be sequenced finally. And this was all thanks to, to long read sequencing and in particular hi-fi sequencing. So what hi-fi does is it really takes the best of both worlds that previously existed. So that is the short accurate reads from Illumina, like you said, and the long but error-prone reads like ONT and PacBio was previously. So hi-fi reads combine both the long read length. So an average hi-fi read is about 100 times longer than your typical short read and a high sequence accuracy into one single technology. So hi-fi reads are, are typically, what Chris said, 15 to 20,000 bases in length. And the raw polymerase reads in PacBio sequencing have become so long now, they're certainly well over 100 KB. And this allows for building consensus from multiple passes around a smart belt insert template. So what that is, that's circularized DNA that is created in the, the library prep process. And this is what leads to a 99.9% .9 and greater in accuracy of the HiFi reads. This is because the sequencing errors with the smart technology are actually random. And so therefore they're, they're washed out by multiple passes around that smart belt. And specifically for microbiome metagenomics, with HiFi, shotgun metagenome sequencing regularly produces 8 to 15 KB reads with a median quality of Q scores of 30 to 45. And for amplicons and 16S, they're actually often around Q60, so extremely accurate reads. Fantastic. So that's really changed the kind of, so by combining those techniques, it's kind of addressed that challenge of the accuracy whilst maintaining that really high read length and having the higher quality that you need to assemble excellent sort of genomes and useful data. So once these reads have been produced then, and you've got that high quality long reads that you've produced, do you have any best practice tips for assembling that data then into complete genomes? Yeah, so first, just, the, you know, one of the main hurdles of metagenome assembly is the presence of multiple closely related strains and species in the same sample, which is what leads to tangled assembly graphs. And so while long reads are helpful in resolving this, if the difference between two bacterial species, for example, which are often defined as, as 3% divergent, or strains, which can be as low as like 1% or even 0.1% different, is actually less than the raw error rate of your sequencing data, then overlap assembly remains problematic. And this is because if you have noisy long reads, the assembly is actually typically preceded by an error correction step, which was where the raw reads are mapped against each other to produce consensus reads that are more accurate. However, with metagenome data, this has a side effect of actually collapsing and averaging reads that may actually be derived from different species. 
So the ability to distinguish reads from closely related species or strains can effectively be erased during the error correction step if your error rate is higher than that that is needed to differentiate those. So it's a unique combination of both, like what I mentioned before, long read links and the high accuracy, which helps overcome the challenges of dis distinguishing closely related strains in the same sample, even at lower coverages to get those low abundance species. Long read assemblies actually can produce complete genomes directly from the assembly, which violates assumptions of many binning tools. So using a pipeline that's specific to long read metagenome assembly is necessary. And so this completeness aware binning strategies that maintain complete circular context from the assembly through the binning process are also important because of this. So what we've done, we've actually developed the HiFi MAG pipeline, which is available on GitHub, that really automates major steps that includes a custom binning strategy that's tailored to long read assemblies. And with this, we show that complete circular MAGs are routinely produced and that this pipeline recovers more high quality MAGs than the, than the other methods can. Fantastic. And maybe for some of our earlier career or university listeners, could you, could you perhaps explain briefly the binning process for genome assembly and what that typically entails? Yeah, so it takes the assembled context and it further tries to bin them into metagenome assembled genomes. So it takes context and tries to put them together into actual genomes, the ones that are remaining from the initial assembly. So like what I said, with long reads, though, you get a lot of those that are actually assembled into complete genomes straight from the assembly and doesn't require further binning. But some of those actually do require further binning, especially for the lower abundance species in the sample. So for the higher abundance species, those typically get assembled into full genomes right off the bat. But it's those lower abundance species that really require further binning to try to combine those two. Fantastic. Thank you. And so, Chris, do you have any examples of the benefits that long resequencing have brought to this field and how they've kind of led to some exciting discoveries? Yeah. In fact, I mean, one of the the way PacBio and Zymo got together was because of these microbial standards. And one of the exciting standards we have is our fecal reference. Every time I, I talk to PacBio, to Jeremy and, and his team, I'm amazed at how much data they've gotten out of this reference standard. But to give an idea, we've characterized this sample every way we can, short reads, long reads, metabolomics, proteome. We just want to know what this standard contains. But to compare short read versus long read, when we went for assembly with short read data, Dan Portick at PacBio got 21 mags total out of the data, which is actually quite good. I, I was quite excited when we saw that from, from short read. We can still align a lot of genomes to that. That's good quality control. There was an average of 177 contigs in that. But if we compare that to what we got with long read, we obtained 190 mags. We got about 11% of the total assemblies we did with long read when we use short read. But I think that kind of shows the power at resolving uh, these complex samples. It's quite an amazing feat if you think about it. There's hundreds of species living together. We fragmented their genomes. So we've essentially mixed hundreds of thousand piece jigsaw puzzles together that are all the same exact color. And then we, we assembled them into 190 complete puzzles in that long read subset. Whereas we only got 21 complete puzzles out of the short read. That I think is, that's a pretty good example of just how powerful long read can be. 
yeah. even in complex samples. It's incredible to think of it in, in those kind of terms of, of it literally being thousands of different jigsaw pieces that you're all managing to align and assemble and put together. And it is really incredible to hear that step up from 21 to 190 is just astonishing. If there was one thing then at any stage in the process that you would ask ask for if I could, um, if I was a genie who could grant your wish to improve the capability of long read sequencing in metagenomics, what, what would it be? I'm a microbiologist. I, I'm, I'm, I've talked about the processing and things. And I think one limitation has been the quantity of DNA from low biomass samples. Um, they're low diversity environments. So long read has no problem with feces where biomass is abundant, but if it's a little bit more difficult to get the nucleic acid out, like skin swabs, um, it's a little harder to, to get the complete picture of, of all those genomes. So I would ask for lower input requirements, I think. Fantastic. And Jeremy, do you have any dreams for, for what you could add into your sequencing capabilities? Yeah, so mine's kind of twofold. One's, you know, more adoption in the microbiome and metagenomics field in general, like just broader adoption of utilizing long reads in this space. But this is what we need to do in order to do that is we need to continue to drive down costs to be competitive with the short reads that have been used for a long time in this field. Because we know now with multiple publications and multiple studies that we've performed internally as well as uh, externally and through collaboration with like Zymo, et cetera, the resulting information is much greater with long reads. You, we just need to continue to drive the throughput up, cost down, which has been happening and will continue to do so. It's mainly those things though. Perfect. So you've found the, the solution to a lot of people's problems. You just now need to make it accessible to as many people as possible. Yes. Yep. Excellent. Which we're, we're finally starting to do and it's, it's, it's really coming to fruition. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's been great to hear about your insights into the field, but then also your, your aspirations for where it can go. Chris, Jeremy, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. And thanks to you, our listeners, for tuning in. Be sure to look out for more episodes of Talking Techniques on Acast, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, or head to www.biotechniques.com and check out our podcast page. Thank you again for listening and goodbye.